So today we shall be looking at um, chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews. And um, I title it, Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example. And this is the summary of what the book of Hebrews chapter 12 is talking about. The book of Hebrews 12 is a call to persevere. The call to persevere looking to Christ as our example. It is a call to persevere looking to Christ as our example. We still discovered in the book of Hebrews 12 that Jesus endured the shame of the cross. He endured the shame of the cross to bring us into fellowship with him or with God. And the lesson that we can learn from this act of Christ that is the act of enduring the shame and focus on bringing us into fellowship is that we should uh, do the same. We should keep our eyes on him as we also run our own race of life. can see that Jesus Christ, in the face of all odds, in the face of all challenges, he persevered and focused on the enemies. That is the purpose why he came to work. He was faced with persecution. As a matter of fact, when the cross was before him, he endured the pain, he endured the shame of the cross. Why? Because he has a mission. And the mission is to bring humanity into fellowship with God. So in the same vein, the believer of today, we are to also take a cue from Christ who focused on his purpose of living and did not get distracted by side attractions. I'm just giving us a summary of the book of Hebrews 12. Hallelujah. Now, let us start from or start reading from that book of Hebrews verses 1 to 3. I subtitle it Fixing Your Eyes on Jesus. Fixing Your Eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. I think um, three Wednesdays ago, 
I took permission that the rest chapters of the book of Hebrews, you should permit me to run through it so that we can move to the next topic. But while I was studying the book of Hebrews 12, I discovered that if I rush through it, I might cause um, more damage to your knowledge than good. And that is the reason because there are a lot of uh, controversial statements in this book of Hebrews 12 that we need to um, explain for our understanding. So I said, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Let us read from the book of Hebrews 12, from verses 1 to 3. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnare us. And let us run with endurance and race, uh, endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, the spice and the shame, and sat at the right hand of the throne of God. Hallelujah. You see, if you look at these first three verses of the book of Hebrews 12, critically, it explains something to us that no matter what circumstance or circumstances um, of life that we face, that we should persevere. If you look at the reading, we see that the author made mention of something in verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, whatever comes our way in form of trials, if we fix our eyes on Jesus and consider what he endured while he was here on heart, then we also should not lose heart. Jesus was confronted with a whole lot of challenges on earth. And Jesus is our example. And that's why I tag, I tie to it, Jesus, our example. Jesus is our perfect example. And if our example can face trials, persecution, tribulation, and did not get distracted, 
we also have to emulate the same system. Are you following me now? Now, let us bring out some important um, things from that book of Hebrews 12 from verse 1 so that we can have a thorough clarification of the book. If you look at verse 1, it says, Therefore, we also. That shows that there was a discussion prior to this time. There was something in discourse prior to this time. Therefore, we also. The we also is referring to the living Christian today. Because if you read Hebrews 11, it talked about fathers and mothers of faith who lived in faith and died in faith. They do not deviate what they are expecting. They get focused and never distracted from their expectation. Likewise, we have an expectation. The expectation to fulfill our own assignment on earth and to also see the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to follow me carefully. I'm going to do teaching. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, let us look at cloud of witnesses. Of witnesses. Cloud of witnesses refers to the people of faith mentioned in chapter 11. Are you following me? It refers to the people of faith mentioned in chapter 11 of Hebrews. They are not actually spectators watching us. They are not actually spectators watching us. They are witnesses testifying to the truth of the faith. They are witnesses testifying to the truth of the faith. The Bible mentioned a whole lot of them. The Bible talked about Hallelujah. About Abel. Bible talked about Enoch. About Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, and the rest of them. So these people are the cloud of witnesses. They are the cloud of witnesses that are not just spectators. They are in heaven. They are not just spectators, but they are witnessing or testifying to the truth of the faith. They are there cheering us up so that we also can complete our own mission on heart. It's just like 
um um in a in, in a football match you see that some some people will sit as spectators to do what to cheer up the players so that they can play well so these cloud of witnesses are like those at the football pitch watching and also you know cheering the players up can you see that so we are not only in the race we have people who are cheering us up who are supporting us with divine energies so that we also can complete our mission and fulfill our purpose. Are we following? Hallelujah. So, learning from the examples of these ones, the writer encourages us to run with patience, endurance, the race before us. If we read further, we will discover that the author of Hebrews asks us to get rid of two things. Look at it. Number one, it says we should get rid of everything that weighs us down or hinder or encumbers us. That's number one thing, it asks us to get rid of. The first thing he said is that we have cloud of witnesses testifying to the truth of the faith. Then carrying us up so that we can complete our race. And now move further to say get rid of two things if you must fulfill your mission. He says, everything that weighs you down or hinders you. And you see, this can be or could be fear, anxiety, excuses, flimsy excuses that we give for not doing what God expected us to do. So he said, and many more. He said, get rid of these things. They are unnecessary weights. And they are to be thrown aside. These are unnecessary weights. And they are to be thrown aside. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm teaching like um, in the Bible, Bible class, right? And I want, you to, that, that I want you to get that. That's why I'm teaching like that. I don't want to... Uh, preach. I don't want to. I want to follow my notes. Number two thing. It says we should get rid of sin that so easily entangles us. I think you can read it from your notes from the Bible. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us aside. Get rid of every weight 
sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Hallelujah. So if you look at it, the Greek word here, sin, the Greek word here, sin, is amatia. H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A. H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A. That is the Greek word here. And what does that mean? Because when it says, get rid of sin. And we have said that believers in Christ, don't, God does not take record or take into account our sin. Jesus paid for our sins, isn't it? So Jesus became sin for us. But this scripture says we should uh, get rid of sin. doesn't say sins. Of sin. Get it clear. Get rid of sin, which is from the Greek word amatia. And it will mean to be without a share. To be without a share, S-H-A-R-E. Or to miss the mark. Or to hear, E-double-R. Or to be mistaken. To be mistaken. Now, going by the context of faith example in the pas- in, in the passage that we read in Hebrews 11. Going by the context, because Hebrews 12.1 is a continuation of 11. It says, therefore, we also. So in other words, there was a communication that the, the author used the word therefore to continue. So if you look at the context of the discourse in Hebrews 11, you will discover that the author is talking about faith. He's talking about faith. Hallelujah. So, if we now look at when he's talking about sin here, it will mean that the author is talking about unbelief. Unbelief. So he says we are to get rid of any unbelief as it cleans or entangles and it hinders us from running well. Do you get that now? So, get rid of unbelief. Anything that will cause unbelief. Remember that Hebrews 11 sticks. says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, it will now mean, therefore, that the author in, the, in verse 12, or chapter 12, that's talking about unbelief. That is, if you have the, if you have the fruit of unbelief, you won't be able to please God in the 
journey of your life, you won't be able to accomplish what God had given you to accomplish. Amen. Then, maybe later on I will still uh, expatiate on this, but I want to say something. You know, the race that the Bible talked about here will not mean the race to heaven. Are you hearing me? Will not mean the race to heaven. Because as believers in Christ, we are currently in heaven. So what it will mean, therefore, is that the race is the accomplishment of our purpose, the accomplishment of our, our mission on earth. That is what he's talking about. Maybe later on I will expand on that. Hallelujah. You see, the reason why the author of Hebrews says, okay, let us get rid of unbelief. I've said it. That soon we can achieve the purpose when we are created. Because unbelief will make us please God. One of the things that we are created for is to bring souls into the kingdom. Are you following what I'm teaching? And that is why I said this Hebrews 12, we need us to um, explain it properly. Now, in the middle of life, as we go on in our activities in fulfilling what God wants us to fulfill, you know, it is very much easy for us to get distracted. I think you agree with me. To get distracted, you know. And in the course of getting distracted, the author of Hebrews is encouraging us. He said, don't forget that the beginning of this book of Hebrews, or what the author is trying to achieve is to restore the people of Hebrews back to line. They were already missing the mark. They were born again. Eh? But they were missing the mark. They were hearing or they heard. So, the author of Hebrews tried to return them back from the distraction, persecution, and the rest of that. That is that was distracting them. Hallelujah. So there is a call unto us to refocus. Look at it in that Hebrews 12, verse 2. I have explained what it what the um, race means because it said, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beseech or ensnares us, and let us run with, I said the sin there is unbelief, with endurance, the race that is set before us, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Can you see? You can now discover that it, the discourse is about faith. He says, don't be distracted from achieving the assignment before you, but keep on staring unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, the finisher there means perfecter. Is the perfecter of our faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, let us read um, this um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 from Amplified Version. Amplified gives us um, a very clear understanding. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Listen to Amplified. It says, looking away from all that will distract. Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. It says, give first incentive for our belief and is also its finisher bringing it to maturity and perfection e for the joy okay let us hold on there so can you see the way the book of Hebrews uh, the way um, uh, amplify put it. Looking away. Looking away from distractions. Believers looking away from distractions. Hallelujah. I pray that you will not be distracted in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I say we will not be distracted in Jesus name. So, when those challenges come, when the trial comes, the purpose of the trial is to distract us from fulfilling our mission. But we are to stay focused unto Jesus, who is the author and the finish of our faith. We should not allow unbelief to take us away. Hallelujah. So, let us move on. We have an amazing example in Jesus and that example was given to us when we get to that um, um, Hebrews 2 then down. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the preacher of our faith, who for the joy, can you see? Jesus, our example. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. 
Because the death of the cross is a shameful death. It says, despising the shame, and are sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you see? Follow the full step of this Christ. Who focuses on the joy and the joy that was ahead of him is that he wants to bring many sons into glory. Hallelujah. So we have that we have Jesus as our amazing example who endured the unimaginable to obtain the price of redemption. To obtain the price of redemption. He looked forward with joy to the cross because he knew it meant restoration to mankind. What about if Jesus had gotten distracted? Who will remain in the in the in the in the position of deformation? Because in the Garden of Eden, man became deformed. And Jesus Christ came to restore us back to God. So he disregarded the shame of dying. Dying a criminal death. I think I have said that to you many times that the death of the cross is a criminal death because of he, 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 he despised that shame because of the outcome of the death. So, the, the kind of death does not make any sense to him. But what he focuses on is the result. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, as believers today, we are to consider this in comparison to our trials so that we do not grow weary or become exhausted or lose heart. Because it got to a point when Jesus too said, Father, I wish that this cup pass over me. Huh? But he said, well, it is not about my own will, but about yours. Let thy will be done on a heart. Hallelujah. So anytime we are passing through trials that want to bring our distractions to the fulfillment of our vision, of our purpose and aspiration in life, we allow the will of God to find expression. We allow the will of God to find expression. Of course, there are a whole lot of challenges that Satan is trying to throw on our ways that to distract for the purpose of distraction to distract us from uh, preaching this gospel of truth to distract us from growing in faith to distract us from winning souls into the kingdom of God but those trials cannot be compared to the glory that is ahead of us. And that was exactly what the author of Hebrews was telling the Hebrews. That the joy ahead of you, if you focus onto Jesus, 
if you look unto Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith, the, the, the reward or the outcome of you being focused outweigh the present um, pain. Outweighs it. Hallelujah. This is the word of encouragement from the author of Hebrews to the Hebrews. And the word is meant for us today. Taking a cue from Christ. Hebrews 12. Very interesting. And that's why I don't want to rush through it. Very interesting. If you read it with understanding. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we are to consider this comparison to our trials. That is looking at placing it side by side what Christ did hmm? to what we are also passing through. The primary purpose why those trials and uh, challenges are coming to Jesus' way is just for him not to fulfill his purpose. Do you agree? And the purpose is to do what? Is to restore humanity back to God. Likewise, every one of us will have our purpose on heart. And the reason why you are facing with those trials is basically or primarily for you not to fulfill that purpose. For distraction to come your way. So that you lose sight of the agenda of God for, your, for you. One of the ways that the book of Hebrews we have talked about is distraction. Excuses for not doing what God expected of you. Are you following me? It says, remove your eyes from those distractions. Focus on the glory ahead, on the joy ahead. Take a cue from Christ, from Jesus, who despised the shape of the cross and who despised the shame and endured the cross because the most terrible death that time is the death of a cross very shameful death shame will come upon the person upon the family you know because they will keep on making reference to it but jesus removed his eyes from there and say ha restoration of man from their deformation. That is my agenda. I'm going to fulfill it. Hallelujah. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 from verses 1 to 3 gives us a thorough understanding of trials. Reason why the purpose of trial and how to deal with it. Praise God. The same thing happened 
when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. When they are facing with trials to distract them from fulfilling the purpose. I told you that the race that is set before us in Hebrews is not the race to heaven. Is the race to fulfillment of our mission and vision that God has given to us as individual. Because it couldn't be the race to heaven because we are in heaven. And those are the things that I saw in this book that I said, ah, I'm not going to run through it or I'll teach it because and we are still going to meet some at the front that we need, that need explanation. Praise the name of the Lord. So when we focus on the example set by Jesus and fix our eyes on him, then we will have great encouragement to faithfully continue and moving forward with our mission in life. With our mission in life. Not with our mission to make heaven. With our mission in life. What is the essence of you making heaven when you did not fulfill your mission? Do you think about it? You become born again. Glory to God. I'm born again. Everyone rejoice. In fact, joy fills your heart because joy is the answer to salvation. The evidence of salvation is joy. It's not goose pimples. It's not that you start having money. It's not that, you know, nothing changes. But the only thing that's answer to salvation or give you evidence of salvation is joy. In the inside of you. Joy of the hope that you have in glory. Am I communicating something to somebody? So, it will not mean that when you become born again, you are just going. You are not impacting any life. You You do not ask yourself, God, what is the purpose why you called me into this light? So that I can start fulfilling it. If there are no distractions on your way, you are not walking in purpose. Huh? If there are no trials, if there are no tough times, you are not walking in purpose. You have missed road. So that allow you to just be going. <laughs> Praise God. So there is no need. There is no there is no a lot of people when they finally see the reality of that heaven, they will still be regretting. I'm telling you. They will still be regretting. <laughs> because the reality of everything will show up. Nothing is hidden again. Nothing becomes nothing is a mystery again. Everything becomes demystified. You now start seeing what you were supposed to do, to do, to do, to do, to do, to do. You will now start seeing a whole lot of lives that are that have been assigned to your care, that are in hell, that are still on heart, you know, wasting away. Why do the Bible says that 
we have surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses. Doing what? Eh? Witnessing to the, to the truth of our the faith and cheering us all. Why do we have them? So if the reality of what you were supposed to, be, to do on heart will not done on you when you get there, it will the reality will see everything like they are seeing us now. They know what you were supposed to do tomorrow that you are not doing. And they are cheering you. You know, and that is what the crowd of witnesses are doing. God mentioned, Bible mentioned them in Hebrews chapter 11. The crowd of witnesses. Praise God. So, we are to fulfill our mission in life. The race that is set before us until we run through the glorious finished line. And that's what we call finishing strong. Finishing strong is not about finishing strong. Yes, if, if you fulfill the purpose or the mission of your existence, that is what we, it means that you finished strong. You started well and you continue and continue and continue and continue and continue, you know, gaining territories, gaining more territories, winning more wins for the, for the, for the kingdom of God and like focusing on why you were created and achieving the purpose why you were created. That's raised set before you as you are running. Which the cloud of witnesses are cheering you for. Hallelujah. So, are we getting that Hebrews 12 now? I'm trying to explain Hebrews 12 to three to us properly. So, we must consider Jesus who endured such opposition and bitter hostility and yet finished what he was called to do. Hallelujah. We must follow that example. If you follow it, we too will continue moving. We too will continue achieving what we are meant to achieve. Praise the name of the Lord. Do we understand that one to three now? Is it taken? Let me summarize it before we move to this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Therefore, we also, therefore, we also, the we, there I said they are the believers, you know, they are the believers. It says we are surrounded by so great kind of witnesses, and those kind of witnesses are mentioned in Hebrews 11. Praise God. Mentioned in Hebrews 11. And it says, let us lay aside every weight. And I told us that two things, um, Two things the author of Hebrews asks us to get rid of. Then number one, weight, those um, unnecessary weight. Um, for an instance, the uh, anxiety. When you are running race, the anxiety will be there. There will be fear, you know, or excuses. So get rid of all of these um, weights. Then, number two, he said, sin that so easily 
entangles us. You know, and try to explain that to us that sin is from the Greek word amatia, and it will mean to miss the mark or to or to be mistaken. Hallelujah. So, and looking at it in the context of what we've been studying from 11, we understand that the sin there is, it doesn't say sins, it says sin. It will mean in the context, because we are, the context of our discourse is faith. So the sin there will mean unbelief. Because Roman, Roman uh, Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So it's unbelief that is talking about. So that if we are living in unbelief, we won't be able to fulfill our mission. Hallelujah. So then it moves on to say, let us run with endurance the race that is set for us. And I told us that that race is not the race to heaven. It is the race to fulfill our mission on earth. Say, looking unto Jesus, can you see? While we are running unto the race, we should not be distracted, but focusing unto Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen. So he said, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Can you see? So there is need for us also to a cue from our perfect example. Because the topic of today's teaching is uh, Jesus is our example. So we have to take a cue from him. The Bible says that he endured the cross. He endured. Can you see? He passes through trials. He passes through temptations. He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted. He passed temptations. The Bible also says that um, the prince of this world came to him and they find nothing in him. Yes, he came to him. That means that it brings temptations just like the one that he brings to us on a daily basis. He brought it to Jesus as well. But the Bible says that we should look at our example. Despite the fact that he passes through all of these things, he says he did not get this. He, um, Bible says that who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So the endurance of the cross is not for just enduring it. He was focusing on something. He was focusing on the end, on the outcome of his endurance. And, you know, sweet preaching have made us to think that when you become born again, everything will just start falling in place. No stress again, no persecution, no, no fear, no anxiety, nothing. Everything will just, you know. No, now, the day you become born again, that's the day that Satan will now start the main battle with you. Because he doesn't want you to fulfill your mission. Are you getting what I'm saying now? He doesn't want you to fulfill your mission and he fights so hard. He bring a whole lot of distraction so that you won't be able to fellowship, so that you won't be able to receive inspiration from God, so that you won't be able to, you know, uh, 
do what you are expected to do. But the Bible says that because of the joy, the joy that was said, the joy was that he's going to, Jesus is going to uh, become the, his name is going to become the overall name in heaven and under the heart. And that is why we have the name Jesus today, you know, um, to open any door. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despite the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can you see? He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. You know, that word, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, I mean, we have explained to you before, it will not mean that he literally, literally, you know, sit. No. It will mean that. What it means is that he occupies of authority. Jesus occupied the place of authority. Praise the name of the Lord. So this is what we have um, explained so far. Now let us move to Hebrews 4 to 9. I title it, Endure Hardship as Discipline. Endure Hardship as Discipline God is treating you as son. And your hardship of discipline, God is treating you as sons. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Let us look up. By now, if you if you want, if you read Hebrews 12 to 3 by yourself, you will know you understand what you're talking about, right? I need a response. If you read Hebrews 12, one to three now. You understand what you're saying? Okay. That is exactly what I intend to achieve. So I could call it Bible study. It's Bible truth class. We reveal the truth of the word of God. So that whenever you are studying, you enjoy reading the Bible. Not that you are reading and you are not understanding what you are reading. It's frustrating if you are not understanding what you are reading. You know, that was what happened to that Ethiopia, you know. You know, he was reading from the book of Isaiah and he got frustrated. But he was willing to understand. And God saw his heart and sent um, Philip to him. When Philip got there, the first thing Philip asked him, Do you understand what you are reading? Said, how can I understand? I can I, how can I? When there is no one to explain to me. Praise God. But glory be to God today that God raised his teachers. Because there are teachers today who God endowed with the special grace of interpreting the scriptures. Scriptures are meant to be interpreted. Hello? It might not necessarily be your fault if you are reading it and you can't understand it fully. Because there are some people that are endowed with the grace, with the teaching grace. One of the offices that, the, that Jesus Christ, you know, gave us is the office of a teacher. So these ones are endowed with special grace of understanding the scriptures and to teach the rest people. Amen. So scriptures are meant to be explained. Are meant to be explained. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter. 12, verse 4. The Bible says in verse 4, 
Or let me read verse 3 because it's like that person I've not read it. But I've explained it. It says, For consider him who endures such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You become consider there, eh? Consider there will mean compare. Compare. Do you know what I'm saying now? Just be side by side. Ah, my master, me. Then let me follow the path that my master paid. Verse 4. You have, you have not yet resisted to, to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation or from the Greek word paraclesis, which speak to you as sons. Listen to this, verse 5. It says, and you have forgotten. You have forgotten. Most of the times, as believers in Christ, we forget things that we have known. We forget things that we have heard. At times, we forget. We forget that we are now in a new environment. Then we behave like us. Like where we're coming from. Just like if you travel from here to America, I, I like to use that as an example very well. You know, it's, it's not possible for you to trash anything on the road. But if you get to America, at times you just forget and you trash something. You can say, you know, and the law. We just hold you. Because it's an offense to trash things on the road. But in Nigeria, we still trash things. Praise God. So, at times we forget. So it says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speak to you as sons. Can you see that? Now, look at what now followed it. Because this is another area that causes a lot of controversy. And I want to explain it this evening. You are very fortunate that you are here to listen to this explanation. Amen. Praise God. Now listen. It says, my son. Don't forget the way it started. It says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. It now says, my son, do not despise the Chastening of the Lord. Do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges and scourges every son whom He receives. That is where religion mind miss. Miss it too. They miss this particular scripture by saying, When you are faced with some difficult situations, when your finances are not working, when your health is attacked, when terrible things, when accidents happen, when terrible things happen to a believer, they will tell you, God 
is chastising me for something. How many of us have had it before? Every one of us. How many of us have had su- such thoughts as come across your mind before? I am number one. Yes. That God is chastising me. Now, let us explain it today. The Lord desire the finished products to be pure and refined. Yes. He chastised. He wants the finished product to be pure and refined. That is the chastisement that the Bible is talking about here. That is the outcome of his chastisement. Are you following me now? He wants us to come out beautiful. He wants the best from us. Eh? Although trial and circumstances of life do not mean that the Lord caused them. Doesn't mean that the Lord caused when you are facing with a lot of challenges, doesn't mean that the Lord caused it. Amen. But at times, perfection comes out of those things. It brings perfection out of us. It purifies us. Amen. Now, the author of Hebrews noted it that we should view hardship as discipline. When we face with hardship, we say, see it as discipline, which validates our status as God's sons and daughters. Now, let us look at something very quickly. I will jump. Let us look at the word chastening. I went to search. What is the meaning of chastening? I'm not talking about the Shari meaning now. It's from the Greek word paideia, which, let me spell it. I don't know, my, my pronunciation might not be correct, but let me spell it. P A I D E I A. P A I D E I A. And what does it mean? It means tutorage. Tutorage. That is education or training. Education or training. And by implication, disciplinary correction. Go and check it. Go on. You can go, go what, I, what I read. You can go it. Just write chastening. Of chastening, you see. Are you get what I'm saying now? Now, it's Bible says that it means tutorage, to educate, to train. That is what this scripture is talking about. My son, do not despise training, or do not. Despise education. When I'm tutoring you, don't despise it. It does not say, when I give you cancer, don't despise it. (laughs) When I give you 
uh, when I make you have accident and one of your hands caught, don't despise it. I'm just training you. <laughs> I'm just trying to correct you. Did they say that? The meaning means when I'm educating you. Are you hearing me? So what that scripture? Get that scripture today. And don't let anybody quote it for you wrongly. Because if you have wrong belief system, you will have wrong lifestyle system. Your lifestyle, your living will be wrong if what will be because our beliefs determine our living. Are you hearing me? Our believing determines our living. We are being ruled, our life is being ruled by our beliefs. For instance, listen, every man, every man will desire to have more than one wife, isn't it? Huh? Huh? At least, I'm not talking about you don't have money. <laughs> By the time you have money, you understand what I'm saying. But if you are a Christian, believe your belief system is that one man to one wife. So your life, your life, your life is streamlined or patterned after that. A Muslim, the belief system is that they can have more than one. And you see them when they when they want to have another one, the one at home is not even complaining. They can have two, three, four, five. They said as long as they can be equal. Our belief system says that we cannot commit adultery and fornication. And that is the reason why we see it as an offense if we do it. So you can see. So your belief system determines your living. So if you believe wrongly, you live wrongly. Am I communicating to somebody? Praise God. So don't listen to wrong teachings anymore. That's what I'm trying to pass across to you. Don't listen to wrong teachings anymore. You, it will form your living. You need to have a Mind shift. Amen. For instance, they have told us that money is the root of all evil. Hello, Tony will know what I'm talking about. In those days, eh, our fathers don't pursue anything again. The little that they can eat and they can survive. Ah, that's an error. That's the belief system. Can you see what belief them can do to, to the life of a man? You better listen, better watch what you listen to. If your mind is not so active to, to think deep by yourself, watch what you listen to. The Bible did not say money is the root of all evil. It said the love. And so many verses of the scripture that have been misquoted and people have they are living on it, and they have a lot of people have died. Some people believe that you, you can't you can't um, um, 
take medicals. Or you can't do blood transfusion. And they brought our scripture. And they died. Belief system. Belief system. God will help us in Jesus' name. Now, it says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. The word rebuked eh, is the Greek word hell and co. Hell and co. Let me spell it to you. Hell E-G-C-O. I don't know, maybe I pronounce it correctly. You know, hell he see, hell he hell he G-C-H-O. He hell he G-C-H-O. But I pronounce it as hell and go. <laughs> Praise God. I'm not, I'm not an Hebrew person. I'm not, you know. So, what does it mean? It means to admonish. So it says, not be discouraged when you are admonished by him. That's what he's saying. He's not saying when he flogged you. Or when he says, I am a bageni. No. Or when he says, as you are going, as you are going, for what you have done. Eh, you this boy, I have been warning you, as you are going, eh, accident will come your way. And one of your hands will go off. So by the time your one of your hands go off, you will you will know how to listen to correction. Eh? I will not serve such a God. I will not. Even me, as a father, I have not taken Cotlands to to cut the hand of my son because he did something terrible. It's not the nature of God to do that. Even when the genesis of sin started from the Garden of Eden, God did not kill them. He did do. In fact, the chastisement he gave to them was even in love. Because he was the one that thought and it was, their, it was in their favor. He still, in that situation, he still favored them. He favored them. It was, it was the favor for humanity. So I've sent them out of the Garden of Eden and he clothed them with skin of animal. The, the first blood sacrifice. Are we together? Let me watch time. Our time is up. Okay. I will round up there today in verse, um, verse 6. Then we'll continue from there. Next by the grace of God. So to rebuke means to admonish. So if you want to read that book of um, Hebrews 11 and verse 5 and 6, you say, and you have forgotten the exhortation we speak to you as sons. And you see, I first know that word, as sons. And nobody can look at his son and say, I want to give him bread and say, take snake or take scorpion. God doesn't deal with us that way. Amen. So, my son, do not despise chastening of the Lord. Or do not despise correction. Chastening of the Lord means child training. We are children in his hand. Child training. 
nor be discouraged when you are uh, what I call the other that word you are admonished. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, listen. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, the Bible says that all scriptures given by the inspiration of God and it is profitable for doctrine. Let us read it. Let's open your Bible. So that you not quote out of um, I want us to quote it correctly. First Timothy. Second Timothy. Second Timothy 3 16. Listen. Ah, I don't want to read this version. I want this. All scripture is given by instruction of God. Profitable for doctrine. For reproof. Can you see? For correction. For instruction. In righteousness. That a man of God. The man of God. Equipped. For. Every good work. See that. So, if you see that scripture, you see that correction comes from a form of word. God corrects us with His word. When you are reading His word, He corrects you from His word. He chastises you. He disciplines you with His word, not with cancer. Hallelujah. And if you read the book of Psalms 94, verse 12, David also observed something similar. Psalms 94, verse 12. David said, Blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord. The man you teach from your law. The man you teach from your law. So it is from law that it brings correction. Praise God. So the word is the tool he uses to break the power of sin. And that is why any believer who does not read the word, who does not listen to the word, there is no way you can be broken. There is no way you can live like Christ. No way. You will be messing up. You will be pooping your body all the time. Because baby will always poop on his body. You are always messing up. If you are not, uh, if you are not studious, you don't study the world. You don't listen to it. The accuracy of it, the awesome knowledge of God's word. Forget. If I want to talk with anybody, if anybody want to counter my word or my teaching, I will first look at the level of his study. If it's not a studious person. Anytime you want to talk to me about Bible or want to correct anything I say, and you said, and you said, uh, my father and the Lord said, I will, I will just, I will just cut off the discussion immediately. Or my 
my somebody said, I want to hear you that you, are, you have also sat down with this thing and you have done critical thinking and analysis. I want to see that you are not making use of the mind of someone. It's your own mind that you have trained over the time that you are talking from. Not just something you read in the peripheral. Ah, ah. Okay, oh, come and see. Come and see. The Bible says that, uh, uh, my son, do not despise the chastening the Lord. God despises us. God beat us. God still beat us. And then I'll ask you, God beat us with what? In fact, as a matter of fact, if you are called, if you are called into ministry and you didn't answer, God will make all roads to be blocked for you. I say it's a lie. I say it's a lie. God will not make all all roads blocked. Pastor Adeboye was called into ministry. He was doing well as a lecturer. Are you correct? Am I correct? Pastor Kumuyi was called into ministry. He was doing well as a lecturer. Am I correct? What are we talking about? So, it's not God. It doesn't chase us with evil. Hallelujah. So, the word, the word is the tool he uses to break the power of sin. Pull down strong old, strong goes on our minds. On our minds. He said, to correct us and train us in the way we should go. Train your child in the way he should go. So that when he grow up, he will not depart from it. Did he say, cut his hand? What does he say we should use to train the child? The world. We should make him to delight in his world. So that when he grow up, he will not depart from what he has learned. You have patterned his life after that system. And he will continue in that life. If I train this boy by, by using blade to cut his body when he commits offense, that is the way he will grow up. And he feels that it is not used blade to cut. Am I talking to somebody here? So, just as our heavenly fathers discipline us in our youth so that we will turn out as good responsible adults. God also disciplines and refines us so that we are fully equipped and trained in righteousness. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17. Am I communicating? Is it clear to us? Praise God. We will stop there today. I will continue next week by the special grace of Almighty God.